Hello, I'm Courtney Garrett, and this is the 101 Christianity Podcast. These messages accompany Discovering the Character of God, a 14-week Bible study I wrote on the attributes of God, which is available on Amazon. I pray this message will encourage you as you grow in your understanding of God's character. Last week, a video went viral, and I'm sure that many of you saw it. The video was of a young man named Brant Jean um, extending forgiveness to a police officer who accidentally shot his brother, Botham Jean. He got up at the end and extended forgiveness to her, embraced her, asked for a hug, and if you saw it, I don't know how you could have watched it without just falling apart because it was such a picture of forgiveness um, from this young man and such maturity for an 18-year-old. I believe he's 18. Interestingly, not everyone reacted favorably to that video. Many thought it wasn't fair that Officer Geiger got 10 years, a 10-year sentence, that she should have gotten more. Many thought it wasn't fair that the judge ended up hugging Officer Geiger after the conclusion of the trial, um, even going so far as to offer her her own personal Bible. Many thought it wasn't fair that Brant Jean even offered forgiveness. People had all ideas about what was fair and what is fair. How can any of us say what is fair, really? We all want justice and fairness, but who can say what that really is? We want life to be fair, don't we? But life isn't fair. So fallen man, mankind, all of us, we all have a distorted view of justice because of our sin nature. And it's impossible for us to be completely unbiased, even, even on our best day. It is, it is impossible for us to be unbiased. The problem is that we don't have an objective way of determining what is fair, but there is one who does. And there is only one entity capable of righteously administering justice, and it is God. So today, we're going to talk about God's justice. And there are many ways. I looked at so many different angles of how we could really address uh, the justice of God, but today I want to talk about two things. I want to talk about God as the perfect, righteous judge and our response to him as the, this perfect judge. So how often do you think about God as a judge? I'm going to ask if you've ever heard of heard this. Maybe you've even maybe, maybe said it or thought it. Yes, I do know that one day I will meet God face to face at the end of my life. And we will meet maybe somewhere in the in-between, not quite heaven, but we'll meet one day and God will ask me, you know, what's all the good that you have done and what is all the bad that you have done. And maybe you even recognize that he's all-knowing so that he actually knows the good that you've done and the bad. And there will be scales there, right? So scales will be here and I just know that my good will outweigh my bad. I will get my ticket and he'll say, Welcome on in. It's not uncommon to hear that, right? There's many problems with this, but the main problem that I see is, what is the standard? What is the standard? The standard is what you have determined is right and good. 
and the standard is everyone else. I was not, I didn't do as, as bad as her, and I did more than her or him, so surely I'm going to be okay. I don't know if you remember, but last week when I talked about my husband coming to faith, that all of his life he had measured himself against everybody else and really ended up feeling pretty good about himself. I'm not as bad as that guy. I'm not doing that. It was only when he came face to face with the holiness of God that he understood that there was a standard, and it was a perfect standard because of a holy God. And he, he could not face this holy God in light of who he was as a sinner. God's perfect righteousness is the divine standard. It's not what we think. It is his righteousness because every one of us has fallen short. That's what Romans 3.23 says. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's every one of us. God's holiness demands that he is just because he is perfect. So in the biblical world, a king had supreme authority, but he also acted as the supreme judge. And that is how God is. God is our supreme king, and he is also our supreme judge, but he is also, it is also because he is our maker. He created us. You can listen. I'm just going to read Psalm 95, or you can turn there quickly. Psalm 95. Verses 1 through 7 say this. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. This is Psalm 95, verse 1. Verse 2. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the, for the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his, land, of his hand. So he is not just the king. He's our judge, and he's our maker. And it's because he is our maker. So what does a judge do? I know you know this, but let's just think about what a judge, what, what a judge's purpose is. A judge is someone who hears a case and listens to evidence and determines if a person is guilty or not, and then determines from there if punishment is necessary for someone found guilty or what the punishment actually is. So where do we stand before God? Are we mainly good people who mess up every now and then? Or are we sinful people in desperate needs, in desperate need of God's grace? It's much easier and really, frankly, more comfortable to think of us in this realm, right? We don't want to see ourselves this way. But that's the way God sees us. But there's hope because we know who has the answers. Sin causes us all to be guilty before God, which takes us back to the garden. We have to go back to the fall to understand really how sin entered mankind. So in Genesis 3, we know that sin entered mankind because of Adam's decision to sin against God and disobey him. And sin brought sorrow and pain and sickness and death to them and to their children and then to their children's children and, and on. 
God had warned Adam and Eve not to eat of the tree, but when they did, they were judged. But they were judged in a fair and in a just way. The penalty and punishment of the sin was separation between God and Adam and Eve, God and man. But the same God who pronounced judgment on them also provided for them. Do you remember that he made coverings for them, right? Which required a sacrifice, which we talked about last week. The skins of the animals that made a covering for Adam and Eve were only a picture of the righteousness that is provided by the substitutionary death of Jesus. So I want you to understand this, that while God judged mankind, he also gave them a way to have a relationship with him. What kind of judge declares you are guilty and then steps in and says, I'm going to provide a way for you to be free. In fact, I'm going to provide a way by sending my own son to die for you so that you can go free. What kind of judge does that? A good, merciful judge does that. Because oftentimes when we think about God as judge and his justice, we think of him as kind of a wrathful God. But God, if we can understand what he, the lengths that he's gone to to save us, we will see him not as this wrathful, judgment-driven kind of God, but a merciful, loving God. Isaiah 30, 18 says, Therefore the Lord waits to be gracious to you, and therefore he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. So yes, he's a God of justice, but he's also a God who wants to be merciful and gracious towards us. So when you look at the Old Testament, we kind of get waves of his judgment, right? And we kind of are like, this is a lot. This is a lot for us to understand, and this is heavy. God judged the, the Noah's day because of the corrupt world, and he sent the flood. He judged that way. He judged Sodom and Gomorrah by burning it up because they rejected God. He judged Egypt because with ten plagues because of their turning their backs away from God. On and on, we see God's judgment. We can get overwhelmed by it. And even in the New Testament, the, the Jews rejected Jesus, so he judged them. So let's not forget, as we get overwhelmed by this judgment, that we are dealing with a God who is also 100% merciful and 100% gracious. Again and again, we need to be reminded of that throughout this study, that God is not just just. He is 100% just, and he's 100% loving, and he's 100% merciful. 100% of all of these things. He can be no other. I want to read with you, if you want to turn to Ezekiel. We were in Leviticus last week, and this week we're in Ezekiel. Getting crazy, going to the Old Testament. Ezekiel, if you go to the middle of your Bible and go to the right, head of the prophets. These may not be books that we turn to often. But this is right in the middle. So Ezekiel, if you remember, was an Old Testament prophet, and he's calling his people God is using Ezekiel to call the people back to him. So if you look in Ezekiel 18, I want you to read starting in verse 25. 
Verse 25 said, says, this is Ezekiel talking as the, as the Lord is speaking through him. He says, yet you say, the way of the Lord is not just. Hear now, O house of Israel, is my way not just? Is, not your, is it not your ways that are not just? When a righteous person turns away from his righteousness and does injustice, he shall die for it. For the injustice that he has done, he shall die. Again, when a wicked person turns away from the wickedness he has committed and does what is just and right, he shall save his life. Because he considered and turned away from all of, his all of the transgressions that he had committed, he shall surely live, he shall not die. Yet the house of Israel says, the way of the Lord is not just. O house of Israel, are my ways not just? Is it not your ways that are not just? Therefore, this is where we need to hear what he's trying to bring it together. Therefore, I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways, declares the Lord God. Repent and turn from all your transgressions, lest iniquity be your ruin. Cast away from, from you all the transgressions that you have committed and make yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Lord God. So turn and live. So here is God, and he is just saying, I can be no other than, than who I am, and so I must be just. But would you please turn, turn back to me, repent, turn to me, and you will find life there. Over and over again, the cry of the prophets is to turn to God. He has the answer. In him, he says, is the life that you're looking for. In him, he says, in me is the peace that you need. In me is the provision that you're looking for. That golden calf that you think that you need, that golden calf can do nothing for you. Turn to me. Quit trying to come up with ways that you think you can make your life work. And ladies, that message is the same for us, to, uh, for us today. He's just saying, turn to me so I can give you the peace you long for, the life you long for, the purpose you long for. He's a kind and just and loving God just saying, please come to me. A harsh judge doesn't do that. A good judge does. God's call throughout scripture is to turn to me. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That is a good, loving judge. But without Christ, there is not hope. We do not have hope without him. Proverbs 28.5 says, Evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand it completely. Now, when you read that verse, you're thinking, well, I don't know if I understand justice completely. But what we can understand is our need for Christ completely in light of who he is. But evil men, evil people, are going to turn. They, they are not going to understand God's justice for a second. They think they have a better solution. So if we don't have a proper understanding of God as a good judge, the pain we experience personally and the pain we see in the world will cause so much disillusionment and despair. And sometimes that pain has a way of taking over our emotions and we can't get our heads around how God could be loving at all. If we only think of God as one who enacts judgment, we will think of him as a dictator. 
But if we only think that love wins, we're not thinking about God in the right way. We can, love can only win if we see ourselves in light of what we have been brought from, which is separation from him. So what is our response to this good judge? Some of these things may seem obvious, but we need to, to think about them and ponder them. Our first response, obviously, is to come to Christ. Come to Christ. Let's not forget that the theme of the Bible is Christ. God is always offering us his son. Everything was fulfilled in Christ. Turn to him as a good, righteous judge and, and say, thank you so much. I stood before you guilty, and your son saved me. So come to Christ. Secondly, recognize that we'll face judgment one day. So we will all face judgment one day. There'll be two judgments. The first judgment will be for us as believers. We will all stand before God. And we will have to give an account for what we did. But this is not the kind of judgment that we need to fear. This is the kind of judgment where he's going to say, Oh my goodness, tell me what you, got, what you did for me. And we're going to get to share it with joy. And he's going to be able to say, and what we long for him to say is, Well done, good and faithful servant. So that is the kind of judgment. And yes, we will have to give an answer for the ways that we went our own way. But it's all going to be in security. Our salvation is not going to be at risk. We're not going to have the scale situation. But it's going to be him longing to bless us for how we have, have honored him and glorified him in our life. The other judgment that nobody wants to talk about, and I talked about it in your study, is the judgment for unbelievers who will be condemned. So there's going to be two separate judgments. So a takeaway here is also share the gospel. Share what you know. Don't keep it to yourself. We can get so busy in our own, in our own lives, in our own world, and that we, there are people that don't know the gospel around us. Share the truth that you know about the good judge that loves them enough to have sent his son to die for them. So we need to live in light of the coming judgment by being propelled to honor God, glorify him, and obey him for his glory and for our good. The last thing is that we're, we're all called to be agents of justice. So like holiness, where we are called, we are, are, are God tells us, be holy for I am holy. We're also called to be agents of justice. What does, what does that look like? Micah 6.8 says, What does the Lord require of you to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? We see that verse a lot, but we could unpack all of it. But just for, for right now, I just want to talk about what does it mean to, to do justice. We have to hate what God hates. And we have to love what God loves. Over and over again, we, we see specifically that God has a heart for the oppressed and the poor and the orphan and the widow. We are all made in God's image, and every person has dignity. And so how is it that we can be agents of justice and, and come alongside God's heart for these, the people that are oppressed? Psalm 82.3 says, Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted 
and the destitute. And the whole law is summed up in loving God and loving others. So we can be agents of justice by partnering with the ministries that are doing this work. What does your heart burn for? What are some of these things when you hear about all of the different groups and different people groups that are oppressed? What do you get passionate about? Pour into that. Partner with those ministries and do the work. It might be coming alongside a ministry that's involved in sex trafficking, or maybe it's through Crisis Pregnancy Center, or visiting the elderly. Do not forget the, who's, who's a widow in your life. International Justice Mission. There's so many different ministries that we can partner with just on a practical level. That is how we can be agents of his justice. So as we close today, I want to read something I read this week from J.I. Packer in his, in his book, Knowing God. He says, Call on the coming judge to be your present Savior. As judge, he is the law, but as Savior, he is the gospel. Run from him now, and you will meet him as judge then and without hope. Seek him now, and you will find him. And you will then discover that you are looking forward to that future meeting with joy, knowing there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you that you are not simply a judge in the way that we think of it, a harsh judge. Lord, you are a loving, merciful judge. And so, Father, I pray that we would see you in light of who you say you are in Scripture. You gave us such an example of your love, the greatest example that has ever been in sending your Son to die for us. So, Father, as we, um, as we go out today, I pray, Lord, that we would rest in that salvation, that we would share this truth with others, that we would walk in light of the, of the judgment one day where, Lord, we long to hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. And then would you also, Lord, give us eyes to see how we can be a voice for you, how we can be agents of justice in this world that, Lord, is, needs you so desperately. How can, be, how can we be your hands and feet here, Lord? So thank you, Father, for all you've done for us. And it's in your precious son's name that we pray. Amen. For more information about our resources, please visit 101christianity.com. And for more encouragement, you can follow along on Instagram at Courtney underscore Garrett underscore. Let's press on as we seek to know the truth and share the truth.